You're listening to Comedy Central. June 20th, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. And the greatest female skier of all time, Lindsey Vaughn, is joining us, everybody. <laughs> also, on tonight's show, why everyone is tweeting about Sudan, your phone is making you grow horns, and Joe Biden says some of his best friends are racist. So let's catch up on today's headlines. <laughs> let's begin with an update on the growing tensions between the U.S. and Iran where things are growing only even more tension-y. Escalating crisis. American authorities now confirming Iran shot down a U.S. drone this morning, saying it was flying in international airspace. Iran does not deny shooting down the U.S. aircraft, but claims it was in Iranian territorial airspace. This drone is one of America's most sophisticated unarmed surveillance aircraft. The commander of the Revolutionary Guard Corps saying our borders are our red line. Any enemy that violates them will not return and will be destroyed. Oh, man, shit is getting heated. (laughs) And once again, both sides have their stories. Iran says they shot down the drone because it was flying over their country. But America says it wasn't flying over Iran. It was just flying very, very close. Yeah, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. (laughs) I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Mom, Iran hit me! (laughs) Now, I get where America's coming from. Because, you see, here's a map of the region, okay? And this is the border of Iran. The U.S. says the drone was flying here in international airspace. And if that's true, then that's clearly an act of aggression by Iran. Although, just for context, the border of the United States is over here. (laughs) You know, just gives it a bit more perspective. (laughs) And by the way, I think it's funny how the media is showing all those pictures of the drone and talking about its history and how precious it was. It's almost like America has to do something because the drone left behind an entire drone family. Now that family is unmanned. (laughs) It's a drone, guys. It's a drone. You don't have to go to war over a drone. And before you accuse me of being anti-American, the commander-in-chief basically said the same thing today in a press conference. Yeah. And you know what? I agree with Trump. Yeah, I said it. (laughs) I don't think America should launch a full-out war to avenge a flying Roomba, all right? (laughs) So let's move on to some domestic news. Roy Moore. You may remember him as the gun-toting judge who was banned from the mall because he wouldn't stop hitting on teenagers. Well, hide your kids, Alabama, because he's back. Controversial Alabama Republican Roy Moore just announced he is going to make another run for the U.S. Senate seat that he lost in that special election in 2017. Judge Moore, you said you plan to win this time. Can you talk about what do you plan to do different uh, than 2017? Well, I think I'll I'll be able to make more... I would like to make more personal contact with people. You want to make more personal contact? (laughs) Yeah, right now, more cops across Alabama are calling for backup. Guys, Roy Moore's back. We need to form a hot parameter around hot topic. Let's get to it. (laughs) 
But as much uh, as we make fun of him, Roy Moore may have a chance. Right now, the polls put him at 27%. Now, obviously, he prefers numbers to be 10 years below that, but still, <laughs> but still. And speaking of do-overs, there's some exciting news from the world of entertainment. Avengers Endgame coming out in theaters again. In an attempt to get more people to buy more tickets, the movie is being re-released, featuring a new previously deleted scene. The movie is already in second place for all-time domestic ticket sales and has earned over $2.7 billion at the global box office. That leaves it just $44 million behind another Disney-owned film, Avatar. Yes, that's right. Avengers Endgame is coming back to cinemas with new added scenes. And I gotta say, these bonus scenes from Marvel are getting out of control. Because at first, Marvel just made us sit through the credits to see them. Now they're like, come back in five weeks. Yeah, <laughs> that's power. <laughs> but you know, I think it's actually kind of cool to remake the movie and put it out again. Like, I like the idea of a world where we can be like, I'm going to see Avengers. I can't wait to see what happens this time. <laughs> yeah, I think this should be a broader trend. They should just change scenes in other movies, make it more interesting. Yeah, like in Star Wars. Change that famous scene so that Darth Vader's like, Luke, I am your neighbor. He's <laughs> like, wait, that was you upstairs? Come and join me on the co-op board. I'll never join you! <laughs> and finally, finally, we all know that technology is gonna change humans forever. But I really don't think any of us are, are quite prepared for how much we're about to change. Disturbing story here. Uh, new research suggesting that young people are developing horn-like spikes on the back of their skulls and cell phones may be to blame. Researchers in Australia say that these bone spurs are caused by constantly tilting the head forward. The researchers say their discovery marks the first documentation of skeletal adaptation to the use of technology in everyday life. Health experts have already warned of text neck, but that condition is not clearly defined. Yeah, that's right. You can get horns in the back of your skull from constantly looking at your phone, which is freaking cool. <laughs> I need to look at my phone more often, wow. But no, but this is completely serious. In fact, you might already have one. Like, everyone can check now. They say if you, if you place two fingers at the back of your, the base of your skull, and if that bone there is sticking out, if you can feel it, if you can feel a bone sticking out, it means you use your phone too much. Yeah, and then if you don't have that bone, scientists say it's because you're an asshole who doesn't text back. <laughs> and that's not the only way that phones are physically making us change. Like, if this finger has gotten longer, it's probably because you're always going, uh, can I borrow a charger, please? Can I? Can I? And I don't know about you guys, but this, this news totally freaked me out. Because you realize what this means for human evolution, right? If we keep using our phones, eventually our skulls are just gonna crane forward and then, like, our hands are gonna change. I'm just gonna come here because we always oh, spend our time texting. <laughs> so now, we're just basically turning into dinosaurs. That's what we are. <laughs> yeah, we're just, like, turning into T-Rexes. That's us. <laughs> Maybe that's what the T-Rex was. It was, like, a human who just texted a lot. If you think about it, we're already that. We're, like, on our phones, then we see something on Twitter, and we're like, ah! <laughs> All right, let's move on to our main story. <laughs> With the first debates coming up next week, the Democratic primary race is hotter than ever before. So let's check in on the latest developments in our ongoing segment, World War D. <laughs> right now, you cannot talk about the Democratic race without talking about Joe Biden. 
Not only is he the front runner and former host of The Price is Right, but he's been leading in the polls since the day he announced his run. But that doesn't mean it's been smooth sailing. He took heat for flip-flopping on a major abortion policy. He faced questions about his voting record. And of course, we all remember when he had to apologize for giving people surprise massages. Yes. <laughs> now, surprise being the operative word, because massages are nice, but nobody wants a surprise massage. <laughs> yeah, just like a road trip is great, but a surprise road trip is just kidnapping. <laughs> and this week, this week, Biden has continued his scandal streak with comments he made about missing the old days. Joe Biden is under fire this evening on comments he made about working alongside segregationist senators in the past. Biden recalling his early Senate career, bringing up two segregationist senators, Herman Talmadge and James Eastland, who called African-Americans an inferior race. I was in a caucus with James O. Eastland, Biden said. He never called me boy, he always called me son. At least there was some civility. We got things done. We didn't agree on much of anything. We got things done. Biden made the comments despite his aides having long urged him not to discuss his relationships with segregationist senators. Joe Biden, what are you doing? <laughs> you can't come out in 2019 and say that these two senators from back in the day were super racist, but at least they were civil. Yeah, civil to you, maybe. Of course, they never called you boy. You're white. Biden's running around like, I work with these senators, Senator Eastland, many times, and not once did he call me the N-word. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, there was that one time, uh, but I had a tan, so I understand. <laughs> now, now, the reason Joe Biden told this story, even though his advisors told him not to, is because he's trying to set himself up as the guy who can work with adversaries in Congress, even if he disagrees with their views. The problem is... By saying this, he may have created new adversaries within his own party. Those comments have prompted swift criticism from his 2020 rivals, including Kamala Harris, who weighed in moments ago. To coddle the reputations of segregationists, of people who, if they had their way, I would literally not be standing here as a member of the United States Senate, is, I think, um, it's just, it's misinformed and it's wrong. Now, Senator Cory Booker was among the first candidates to come out and, and push back on Biden for these comments. He said, Vice President Biden's relationships with proud segregationists are not the model for how we make America a safer and more inclusive place for black people and for everyone. And frankly, I'm disappointed that he hasn't issued an immediate apology. Yeah, I get what these sentences are saying. You see, for many people, it felt like Joe Biden was saying, that being polite was more important than not being racist, which is not how black people feel. No black person's like, I know they think we're subhuman as a species, but at least they said, go back to Africa, please. <laughs> and now I, I would believe, I would believe it if Biden said that his story uh, wasn't meant to offend black people and that his comments were taken the wrong way, but he definitely didn't help himself when he responded to the criticism like this. This morning, a defiant Joe Biden is refusing calls to apologize for comments that he made about finding common ground with a senator who supported segregation. I ran for the United States Senate because I disagreed with the views of the segregationists. The point I'm making is you don't have to agree. Are you going to right, apologize thanks, like Cory Booker Apologize has for, for what? Cory Booker's called for it. Cory should apologize. He knows better. There's not a racist bone in my body. I've been involved in civil rights my whole life career. Whoa, 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 Joe. Not a racist bone in your body. Who said you were racist? People said your comments were tone deaf 
And now you're like, I don't have a racist bone in my body. This one was from texting too much. <laughs> Corey didn't say he was racist. Kamala didn't say he was racist. He just comes out, I'm not racist. It's like a cop pulls you over and is like, excuse me, sir, do you know how fast you were going? And you're like, I did not kidnap anyone. That was a surprise road trip, officer. Maybe you should apologize. Because what the f- was that about? I can't believe Joe Biden told Cory Booker to apologize. Which, by the way, which, by the way, undermines Biden's whole entire point. This whole thing started because he's selling himself as someone who knows how to work in a civil way with people he disagrees with. <laughs> yeah. But when senators in his own party disagree with him, his response is basically, eat shit. (laughs) So a week before the Democratic debates kick off, clearly the pressure is starting to build. And Joe Biden as the front runner, look, man, you better get used to criticism because everyone is gonna be watching what you say. Instead of snapping at people, you gotta learn to keep your cool. You gotta relax. In fact, maybe, maybe you should give yourself one of those surprise massages. (laughs) We'll be right back. If you've been online lately, you've probably noticed, well, two things. One, it's Kiana's world and we're all just living in it. (laughs) And two, everyone has been posting about Sudan. People around the world are using Instagram to raise awareness about the recent violence in Sudan. There's been a wave of postings using the hashtag Blue for Sudan. Actor and activist George Clooney is using his celebrity to draw attention to the ongoing political and humanitarian crisis in Sudan. U.S. celebrities, including Rihanna, Nick Jonas, and Bella Hadid, are using their social media platforms to raise awareness. Yeah, this is amazing. People are using social media to raise awareness about the crisis in Sudan. And honestly, I never thought I'd see the day where a thirst trap would be used for a noble cause. Yeah. (laughs) No, because usually on Instagram, it's just like, look at my ass, now buy tummy tea. (laughs) But now it's like, look at my ass and pray for Sadat. (laughs) And you may be wondering, what is happening that's causing a crisis in Sudan? Well, we figured let's uh, get into it in another installment of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. To understand what's going on in Sudan right now, you have to go back 30 years, when Sudan got something that almost always guarantees oppression and unrest, a dictator. Omar al-Bashir came to power in a military coup in 1989 and survived for 30 years through cunning and brutality. In southern Sudan and Darfur, his militias scorched earth and massacred his enemies. Hundreds of thousands died and suffered from famine. He was indicted for war crimes, crimes against humanity and genocide. Since 1989, 75-year-old Omar al-Bashir forcibly united Sudan by waging wars while wearing a smile. You know, the only thing worse than a dictator is a smiling dictator. Yeah, because now you're a maniac with a creepy-ass grin. Like, we all know how terrifying Hitler looks. Now imagine if he was smiling. Yeah, I I can't look at that. Take that shit down. Take that shit down. So for 30 years, Omar al-Bashir ruled over Sudan with an iron fist. And there were many failed attempts to overthrow him. But it turns out the secret ingredient to a successful revolt was bread. The protest began in December 2018 in the city of Agbara. 
The sudden tripling of the cost of bread sparked the initial protests, but they quickly turned into anti-government rallies, calling for the resignation of al-Bashir. After 30 years in power, President Omar al-Bashir has been forced out of power by the country's military. The army has dissolved the government and declared a state of emergency. That's right, after 30 years in power, this dictatorship ended because people didn't have bread, which must be really confusing to people in California. Yeah, because they start riots if you give them bread. <laughs> like, this doesn't have carbs, right? Because if it does, I will burn this f-ing store to the ground! <laughs> so, two months ago, the people of Sudan finally got rid of their dictator, and you could tell that it was a big deal because people were cheering online, celebrating in town squares, and even partying in the streets. I mean, just look at that joy, huh? People were dancing in the traffic. It's like an African la-la land. <laughs> but just like La La Land's joy at the Oscars, the people of Sudan's victory were short-lived. Sudan's defense minister said the military is suspending the constitution and will take charge of the country for the next two years. One week after they deposed a dictator, Sudanese demonstrators are still on the streets. They too want to replace a military-led regime they consider corrupt with a civilian-led government. That is such a horrible and unfortunate twist. The military helped the people depose the dictator, and then they decided to take his place, yeah, which is a classic Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Gollum works with the good guys to get rid of the ring, and at the end, when he sees an opening, he's like, my precious! <laughs> so, now you know the basics of what happened. The people of Sudan got rid of their dictator of 30 years, and now, right now, they're fighting the military general who wants to be their dictator for the next 30 years. And you may be wondering, yeah, but Trevor, how are celebrities gonna help, huh? Is the general gonna check Twitter and be like, oh no, Rihanna blocked me, I'll step down. <laughs> well, maybe not, maybe not. But already the awareness campaign is bearing fruit. The US is sending a special envoy to Sudan and the African Union has suspended Sudan until the military gives power back to the people. Yeah. And it's not just up to celebrities to shine a light on this. Any American can help. You can call your congressperson and you can urge them to keep the pressure on Sudan you can actually make a difference, which is especially important today because it's World Refugee Day. Because while not everyone may agree on what to do with refugees, I think we can all agree that no one should have to become one in the first place. We'll be right back. My guest tonight is a three-time Olympic medalist and one of the greatest skiers of all time. Please welcome Lindsey Vaughn. Wow, that's like the best uh, applause I've ever gotten. Oh, that's, that's... Yeah. That is not true. They're amazing, but that is not true. I've seen you get amazing applauses every single time you have broken a record, every single time you have won a medal. Uh, welcome to the show, Lindsay Vaughn. How Thanks. are you? I'm great. How, How is you? life treating you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're on the show. I'm fine. I think fine. I have a horn growing in the back of my head, though. <laughs> I'm not sure. How is life treating you right now as, as, a, uh, as, a, as a great of, of a sport? I mean, not many people are considered the greatest of their generations in any sport. Many people say Lindsay Vaughn changed downhill skiing forever. You know, it, it was, what, seven world championship medals? You completely... I think it was nine. Was it nine? <laughs> 
mean, yeah, yeah, and you should, you should, you change, you genuinely. Well, I'm retired now, so I gotta like put myself <laughs> up as much as I can, cause like there isn't any more coming. What is it? <laughs> What does it feel like to go from that world to being someone who is retired? Because you, you dominated the sport and you changed it forever. And then you then, because of injury, had to just like slow down and, and change your life. It, was that an easy shift for you to make? No, it was really hard actually. You know, I was trying to say no to things. You know, I was, I, I had so much time on my hand, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, yes, yes, yes. I'll, you know, go here and go here and go here. Right. And then my boyfriend Pique is like, um, you're gone more now than you were when you were skiing. Oh, right, yeah. So, you know, I kind of got to stay in that relationship. <laughs> so, I was like, okay, I'll be home a little bit more now. But, but it's just, it's juggling things, you know? It's totally different. Like, I stay home and I take care of the dogs and I, like, make breakfast. You say that, you say that, but, but at the same time, you're a businesswoman. You run an organization that helps girls, you know, move into the world of business. Uh, you know, you're in philanthropy. We see you at events cheering on great causes. Uh, you're still an advocate for the sport. I mean, you are doing a bunch of kick-ass things. I just think it doesn't compare to your previous schedule because how many races did you have in There's a year? There's not as much adrenaline. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, if yeah. your life involved falling down a mountain, it's hard for anything to compare to that afterwards. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, yeah, I mean, I f I, that's why I saved skydiving for, like, after I'm retired. Right. Because I knew that was going to come in handy later on. Does it compare? Um, I haven't done it yet. Oh, so you're still going to go skydiving? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. Like, that's why I didn't do it before. Right. Because I, I had the adrenaline. Now I don't. So now I'm going to go skydive. Yes. To, like, you know... Just to see if you can, just to, just just to get that fun. feeling back. Yeah. Just to see what happens. To see what happens. Well, let me ask you this. What is the scariest part of skiing? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's a crash, but I don't know. Have you know. ever skied? No, I, that's white people things, no. <laughs> no. No, <laughs> why would I do that? <laughs> I have no business on the slopes. <laughs> I love you, you're awesome. <laughs> Uh, what was the what question? The... <laughs> I got distracted. No, I'm saying, what is the scariest part of skiing? Um, it's not scary. At all? No. How fast are Why you going? Why do you think I did it for 19 because years? Because you, you are insane. It's awesome. No, no, because genuinely, you're a fearless person. Like, when you're going down a slope, and we've seen those clips of you flying down, how fast are you going at your peak? Probably like 85, 90. 85, what, 90 what? Miles an hour. You see, I was thinking kilometers, and now it doubles. Right. That's really fast. You, yes. are, you are breaking, like, speed limits of the freeway down a slope, yeah. and you've crashed. You've broken how many bones in your body? A lot. And you've come back every single time. Like, like wh what is the hardest part of recovering? That's one thing I've always wanted to know, is, like, because your bone is broken, your body is broken, it, 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 it must be harder and harder to come back. How did you keep on doing it? Um, it was hard. I mean, I think it just takes time. Like, it's really... It's really boring. You're yeah. always doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And of course, like me falling and being hurt so many times, it's like even more, just it compounds and compounds. Right, yeah. I'm like, can I just stop crashing? It'd be really great if I could just keep winning and not crash. But that, that's the thing about ski racing though. It's, it's not scary to me, but that's inevitably the risk that you take yes. is that you could fall at any time. And I always tell people, you know, when I'm going 85 miles an hour, I always say, okay, stick your head out the car when you're driving on the highway. Uh -huh. That's kind of what it feels like to ski that fast, but then jump out of the car when you're going on the highway. <laughs> and that's what it feels like when you're crashing. Don't, don't jump out of your car. Just take her word for it. Do not jump out of your car 
or stick your head out of the window on the freeway. I, I feel like in many ways, you crashing and getting up has been what made uh, Lindsay such an icon. Is that like, people saw you as, 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 a, as a legend because of that. You won, but then you came back, you know? And a lot of people can win, but it's really hard to come back from that level of adversity. Your, your foundation, Strong Girls Camp, in many ways speaks to that idea. Why did you start the camp? Why did you start that initiative? And, and what does it mean for you? Well, I think for me, the best thing that came out of all of my injuries, and not jumping out of cars, but was that I had the time to start my foundation. Right. And the mission, like you said, is to empower young girls. Because now, you know, with the horns growing out of the back of our heads, <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot going on with social media right, and just right, the right. bullying and, you know, lack of self-confidence is astounding. So, you know, the premise came from when I met my idol, Peekaboo Street, when I was nine years old. I met with her for two minutes, and because of her, I wanted to be an Olympian. That's amazing. So I thought, if I can spend you know, a whole day with kids, what can I encourage them and inspire them to do and be? And so that is why I started my foundation. You've been... <laughs> yes, thank you. You've been uh, a champion on the slopes. You've been uh, three times Sports Illustrated model. Are you gonna say it's five now? Are you gonna trick me? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm no, ready. No, I was only in my bikini... Well, bikini twice and paint once. So that... Yeah, three times. Okay. I've only done paint. Whatever. <laughs> um, and you've, you've also started a, a new channel on YouTube where we're getting an insight into your life. Uh, what are you interested in now? You know, I, I, know that, I know that you've been in skiing for so long, you know, but you've, you've become bigger than just skiing. You know, people see Lindsay Vaughn as someone who speaks out for issues, someone who fights for women's rights, someone who is a, a role model in the world. What are you looking to do now in the world now that you've got all the free time and you're not falling out of a car at 85 miles an hour? Thanks. That's, like, really nice coming from you. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. No, I, I don't... You know, I don't know exactly what I want to do. I want to... I'm trying a lot of different things yes. to see what I'm most passionate about because, as you know, you know, you need the passion to be able to be really successful at right, something. Right, right, right. So, I'm finishing my memoir. I've got my HBO documentary coming out this fall. Um, I'm executive producing a movie with Robert Redford. Um, so there's a lot of things in the pipeline. I'm starting my own beauty company. Um, I'm working with Arnold Schwarzenegger and LeBron on a nutrition company ladder. So it's like, there's... I've oh, got yeah. a couple things there's in the a thing, There's a couple things going on. There's a couple things going on. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Wonderful having you here. Lindsay Vaughn, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.